What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. I'm doing great. And you know what? I always say that. I'm always like, yeah, I'm stoked. But it's just kind of like when I decide to record these intros and outros, I normally do it when I'm like in a good mood. Want to want to do it when I'm feeling good. I mean, not all the time, but whatever. I am in Los Angeles, California, pacing around an undisclosed recording studio, working in the control room today, mixing some stuff that I'm working on. And I'm, 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 I'm really excited. Look, I got some fun guitar things happening on this music that I'm doing, and I just feel really good about it. I feel like I'm better at guitar than I have ever been before. And those of you who are guitar players, this is a guitar podcast, you know that's a good feeling. That's going to get you stoked. That's going to get you standing up, pacing around a room, talking loud into your voice memo app. That's what I'm doing right now. But hey, you didn't come here to, to listen to me pace around. Check this out, though. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Guitarmony! Oh! Sorry if the audio sucks. Anyway, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm that excited. I feel good. I feel confident as a guitar player today. I needed it. I needed it. Anyways, you clicked on this podcast because you saw Theo Katzman's name. Theo is one of my best friends on the planet. I love him. And we say I love you to each other all the time. You hear it in the podcast because I think it's important that you tell your friends that you love them. Theo and I are in a band together, Wolfpack. Many of you may know that, may not know that. Totally cool. If you're unfamiliar, check out the band. We have a lot of fun together. Theo is one of the best singer-songwriters, guitar players, drummers, even kazoo on this last record of our time. I said it, and I'll, I'll back it up every time. You want somebody to write you a sensitive, loving, deep, heartfelt song? Theo is your cat. You want somebody to do the Benson thing on guitar, singing and playing and then harmonizing along? Theo is your cat. You want somebody to give you just sick, great drums? Theo is your cat. Also a great bass player, great keyboard player. He talks about that in the podcast. Or was that? Actually, I don't remember if we were talking about that at dinner the other night or if it all runs together. We have like this constant conversation. Theo and I, actually Jason, the producer of this podcast was like, hey, uh, he was kind of giving me the let's wrap it up. Because this is our longest podcast, longest single episode podcast, aside from the John Mayer episodes. Um, but that's the thing is Theo and I can go for hours and hours. I don't even remember when we talked about what, when. I don't know. Whatever. He's been playing a lot of piano. He's an amazing piano player. I'm very excited for Theo because he just announced a new album called Be The Wheel. It is an incredible album. The title track is one of my favorite songs that I've heard in years. He just put out that as a single. He's got a tour on sale in the U.S. Tour just announced for Europe. I am so excited for all of you to see Theo, not only because he's one of my great friends, but because he is truly a a once-in-a-lifetime type of artist. I really mean that uh, because of how multidimensional he is and how much just depth and just deep, just insane musicality that he brings to the things that he does. So... You know, yeah, am I biased? Maybe. But listen to the music for yourself and try to argue with me otherwise. Anyways, this intro is going on too long. Check out Theo. Check out what he's going on. I've got a tour up on sale. Also, he and I are both coming to Europe and in the U.S. touring. So check it out. Like that, People are like, how can we support our artists? Come see our shows. Buy the merch. That's Go to Theo's show. He's got this really cool new hat new label thing he's doing called 10 Good Songs. 
Very cool hat. I bought it. I bought it. You might see me wearing it at some point. It's not really my style because it's kind of like sailor veterans hat, but it's just too cool of a hat not to have. I don't know if it'll look good on me or not, but it's a cool hat. It looks good on its own. It'll be on my shelf and it'll look awesome there if it doesn't look good on me. Anyways, thanks for coming to listen. We'll talk to you soon. I'll, I'll check back in with you at the end of the episode. But for now, please enjoy Theo Katzman. Hey, you guys know about DistroKid yet? If you are an artist, musician, somebody who's trying to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those things, DistroKid is a digital distributor that can get your music on all of those platforms. It's the easiest, fastest way to do so, with accounts even just starting at $19.99 a year per artist. So for me, I have several albums out. I just pay one amount for the year. For all the Corey Wong albums, I just pay one amount, and DistroKid takes 0% royalty. 100% of the royalties come straight to me. Or you use their Teams feature where you can dedicate a certain percentage to one member of your band, a certain percentage to the other, or one of your collaborators. I do this sort of thing. It works amazing. DistroKid is who I use for my albums, and it has worked great for me. The stuff gets up there fast. They have a smart ISRC thing. I don't have to worry about coming up with my own codes, registering a lot of the stuff. They just have that. And they also have these really cool design tools. If you are not very design savvy, they'll help you come up with assets for social media and other things to help promote your album. And if you want to use them, you can use my VIP code. Just go distrokid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong and you get 30% off. How about that? Check them out. Distrokid. All right, let's hit this episode. Corey, I love you, bro. Thanks for doing this with me. Thank you, Jason. Dude, I love you. Thanks for being here. What are you what are you rocking a handheld mic there? What do you got? Dude, I got the M88, man. The biodynamic, biodynamic. Piece, dude. That's right. And you know what? Plugging this in this morning, I'm like, I just this is an amazing vocal mic. And it's it's uh the isolation is awesome, you know? Like yeah. Wow. Cat's got mic technique, dude. See, most people well, I wouldn't gonna, most people I wouldn't trust on a handheld, but I know I could trust you. I know. I, I know how to hold this thing. Dude, those mics sound dope on guitar cabs, too. Nice. I have not tried Put that. Put it on your Princeton. Just just I will. vibe it out. Okay. You know? Great. Yeah, people are always, what's your vocal mic? And I have a few I love, but I think sometimes people get confused about the price. Yeah, don't worry about the price. It's just got to sound good. Dude, you backed off the mic with the P there. (laughs) That's right. Come on, bro. It's not my first rodeo. (laughs) Wong notes. What's up, bro? Dude. All right, we're diving straight in because a lot of times you got to do the, the pleasantries up top, but we got we got the bestie energy happening right now. This is yeah, the, Corey is my brother for life. This is some we've been through. I don't. We're gonna have to try to make sure we keep talking about music because it's gonna be. No, I think we go back dive. and forth. We can weave because I have a few. Okay. I have a few few things I want to get into on. Great. On the personal as can well. Can I say something before before we do this? Please, this is your show. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, okay. <laughs> I want everybody to know that Corey Wong is one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. So when people are like, how do you do it? How do you do it? It's like, man, just be real, bro. To any, or every, everyone, be real, be authentic. Corey, you're, the, you're one of the heroes of my life, man. So and, and Corey has been a shoulder for me to cry on. He's been a friend for me to hug. He's been a, 
he's just, yeah, my big brother, Corey, man. Glad to be here, bro. Thank you for doing what you do and walking the way you do in the world. I love you, man. I love you too. Thank you. That means a lot. Putting it on the record, yeah, dude. I, okay. I like I like it. Public on, record. The public what, knows. What That's right. <laughs> Hashtag be real. Sponsored podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's all I got. I only. That's what I sell. I can't bring. I got nothing else. Let's go. Actually, this is my okay. Frick, man, we're going off music right out the gate. We it's were talking okay. yesterday. Like, I got a t-shirt though. <laughs> we were talking. By yesterday. the way, I almost wore that exact shirt this morning. Really, the I almost wore one? that to this exact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The double wonderful. Double it's a wonderful. Nice piece. In the house, man. It's a nice piece. We were t- just chatting yesterday about like we make music, but we're sitting here having an hour long conversation about poster prices whether we sell signed vinyl versus signed posters and value maximum yeah. value capture and then like 45 minutes in feels like dude what are we doing like can we like we have to have these conversations because we can't sell the music yeah that was the realization is like Corey and i go like okay so if i offer a different tier for signed vinyl but then if i do the patron tier it's like yeah but that's gonna hold up the whole process because now we have to wait till the Pre-order campaigns done to list the pay. I'm going like, why are we even thinking about this? <laughs> oh, right. Because it's diff- It's become very difficult to just sell the thing that we do, which is the music. <laughs> Dude, it's, we're in it's, a funny- it's sci-fi. Yeah, we're in a funny time. But I think you and I have been the benefactors of Jack pulling a fast one with Wolf and learning from our good friend and just like doing it in our own way though, too. 100%. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any of it for it, for the world. I, I, I'm so grateful to be an artist in this time. I think, um, if you can kind of adjust some of your VH1 behind the music ex- expectations, you know, yeah. which is hard. If you grew up watching all the legends in the way they did it, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff that builds that dream that is hard to let go of, but there's a lot of stuff that's Nobody wants. Nobody wants the drug abuse. Nobody wants the early death. Nobody wants the mm. financial insanity that a lot of people went through. Yeah. Um. So really, being a being an artist in today's world, I think if you can kind of get a little bit of a more holistic, empowered attitude towards it, is like, wait a minute, you can make your own music. The tools to do so are relatively cheap so as to be much closer to free than you know yeah than than unreachable in terms of i mean making a record back in the heyday was like the reason there were labels is because not everyone had the like you know five hundred thousand dollar upfront capital to make a studio yeah but a lot of people can afford a laptop and a buyer dynamic m88 what is this mic that's the m88 bucks yeah oh yeah yeah you right but i mean what's you know it's it's not it's not four thousand. It's not forty thousand dollars to get this microphone. So, you know, it's like uh, to me the the challenge now is to kind of really hone in spiritually, emotionally on like what's your real goal here as a human being, as a human soul, making music, making art, making a small business, whatever it is, um, and starting there as opposed to being like I need to figure out how to make the next Larabar. You know, it's like, well, it might not hit that level. <laughs> Respect to Lara, by the way. Speaking of the level. Dude, two, that's three a hit ingredients record if I ever per, heard one. per joint, dude. Lara, yeah, I got that's mad the record. Respect. Yeah. Mad respect. That's a nice words, How It's you know, Built episode, Lara Bar. 
the best, yeah. one of the best, one of the best. How I, how I built this? Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Yeah, just like not, just come at this. You know, starting from scratch is is actually a beautiful thing. Um, I I meet a lot of younger artists and musicians who are like, I can feel the weight of like, how am I going to get to the level? And it's I felt that for a decade and a half. Yeah, or two. So, you know, I don't I understand the feeling, but the sooner you can just really hone in on like what what are you trying to do and Corey, you're an amazing example of that really you've inspired me to play to closer to the fullness of my strengths you know mm. instead of trying to pigeonhole yourself yeah um if you're if you have a genuine interest in it do it incorporate it into your thing yeah you know it's all part of what makes you you um and we each have that ability you know everyone's life is inherently different and unique so absolutely i think people often focus too much on how can i be like that thing that's working maybe it's the opposite how can i not be like that thing that i've already seen happen that's therefore over <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know exactly and what what unique perspective and life experience do you have to bring to the art realm yes Yes. Okay, your new record is a primo example of all this because, awesome. dude, this is so good. And I mean, I've Thank you, bro. known you so intimately over so many years and seen your different stages of artistry and, and what's inspired a lot of the different albums. I feel like this one, it's maybe a little bit harder for the general public to see a very cohesive, like Heartbreak Hits was a very obvious bullseye of a of an right, inspiration right. for an album uh-huh you know uh-huh. um yeah and there's there's so much like the modern johnny thing it's like you had you you took on this persona and it was this persona thing this record it's so it's like the most theo of any of the records i think i'm so glad that i would say this one's just me okay <laughs> yes that's that's what i mean it's like the the other ones had it had a vision the other ones maybe had yeah. a certain certain inspiration that was like, I had to write this way or I just did it this way because of whatever. Mm -hmm. Modern Johnny was a persona. This opening track, dude, I mean, you are a songwriter, songwriter. Thank you, bro. <laughs> like, when, when Thanks, I first man. heard this song, it was, it, it's, it's the equivalent, like, you know, a lot of people watch a guitar player play and they're like, oh my gosh, it's just so obviously awesome at guitar. Right, but right, right. When I got done listening to this song, it was like the equivalent of watching Victor play Amazing Grace solo oh, bass, you know, or it's like Wow, wow. <laughs> Be Dude, the wheel. Thank you. That means so much to me. Dude, man. this song is the wheel. so good. The message thank is you, incredible. Bro. And the way that it thank sets you, it up. Okay, I want you to talk to me. Talk to me about yes. the message of this song. How does it apply to people today? And then and, and where did you where did you come up with the concept for this song? Wow, cool, man. First of all, thank you, bro. That means so much to me, especially coming from you. When we get into this, maybe maybe some people can lis uh, listening can relate, but in the in the lane of the work we do, it's very common to get, you know, post show, oh, it's so great, it's so great, it's so great, it's so great. And you kind of have to like you have to be, you know, it's it's amazing to receive that kind of feedback, but it's also like you can't let it kind of like yeah, uh, get to your head. You know what I mean? You kind of have to stay grounded and that said, there, there's like a small group of people where it's like, man, it'd be really cool if I could actually really, you know, impress Corey. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that's my Grammy. Thank you, bro. Dude, that um, song. 
Thank you, man. Yeah, so that song is, when I wrote that one, I was like, okay, okay, now I have an album. You know, I don't know if you have, do you ever have that feeling where you're like, I got some ideas and then like something, you get one, you're like, yes. Yeah. Now I'm going to, now the record's going to just happen. You know, like this is the way this starts. Um, I was, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of like peak pandemic um, time and I had gone on a road trip in my van. Um, drove from LA to Michigan mm-hmm. and just kind of was spirit led. I was just like, I got to get out of, I just got to get out of my zone here and into kind of more of my, there's, there's something about Mi- Michigan. I went to college, you know, University yeah. of Michigan and have been going back to Michigan and hanging out with my community there and spending time in nature for most of the last decade. And just kind of like a, became like a retreat um, place for me. And I went back and ran into some old friends. My good friend Seth Bernard was like, "Hey, man, um, my my farm's got this farm, Earthwork Farm, which is an amazing uh, place, which hosts an incredible music festival called Harvest Gathering. For yeah. those who are not familiar, it's one of the best Michigan festivals every fall. And Seth was like, "Hey, you want to stay at the farm? There's a piano there." You know, and I'm like, whoa, yeah, I totally want to stay at the farm with a piano alone, you know, in the in the wilderness. It was like, yeah, I totally want to do this. And uh, I just got into the into the house, into the house with the piano. And I was having a lot of uh, it was a very much a searching time for me. Like, what's what is this going to be? What is my life without music? You know, that was really difficult, obviously, for probably everyone in the world that was a difficult time but yeah also for the musicians like what does it mean to not be able to perform for what looks like maybe the rest of my life but at least a year you know and it was like yeah. i had to really confront like who am i without this thing that i do that i get admiration and love and connection and community from you know and i was really struggling and i started kind of diving into some history like human history stuff, mm. innovations in science. I don't know. I went down this rabbit hole of like, I was really searching for some some wisdom from the past of like, what's the through line here um, in getting through difficulty, you know? Because humanity has obviously been through tremendous pain and suffering. And I heard a, I heard a guy talking about the wheel and how this is like humanity discovering the wheel. The wheel emerged across a number of different cultures and basically at different times, but basically, you know, parts of the world that didn't have any uh, contact with another part of the world because it's like um, pre-ocean travel. Pre-Spotify, yeah. (laughs) Pre-Spotify. Yeah, wet. It was yeah. Free Spotify. <laughs> they didn't know. I mean, we're talking before email, bro. <laughs> and what a what a big deal the wheel was, you know, in terms of being able to move, mm. um, weight. Yeah, move mass matter across space, physical space, and then it kind of this guy is a like sort of like a history of technology or a history of science guy, and so then he went on to go into the horse and buggy 
Yeah. But then he went on into the car. But then what blew my mind is he went into the airplane and he's like, you can't have an airplane without a wheel. Okay. Because you can't get something to get to speed fast enough such that fluid dynamics can lift it off the ground. Okay. So then it was like, wait a minute. This ain't about the airplane. It ain't about the car. It ain't about the horse and buggy. The innovation is the wheel. Yeah. Okay. And that just hit me so deep. Like, I know it's nerdy on a level, but it was like, then then that lyric came just came to me. Like, whatever's going through, whatever you're going through in life, like, here comes the hurricane. It's it's blowing, babe. That's the lyric. Here comes the hurricane. It's blowing, babe. And there goes the automobile. Don't be the horse and buggy. Be the wheel. Just came to me like, yeah. Don't focus. Don't focus on the thing, man. Like you're, you're going through a hard time, and it's like you, the mind can get distracted on like, how can I be better? How can I get through this or whatever? It's like ground yourself in the deeper part of you that is going to make it through this. Like we are all the wheel. We are the emergent thing. We are the life force. We are. And it's like the wheel can roll, man, you know, and like rolls with the punches, rolls with the tide. It rolls. That's what it does. So it's sort of, that song is sort of a prayer, to be honest. It's a prayer for us, for humanity, for the future. It was like, because I'm very hesitant to write a directive Mm -hmm. where I tell someone to do something. Yeah, yeah. And that's essentially what I'm going, like, be the wheel, you know, and actually there's there's, (laughs) Track two is hit the target. So there's like a number of directives on the on the album, which I had to really sit with and go, is this what I'm trying to say? And I thought, yes, yeah. I am. Because I'm talking to myself. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a long-winded answer. But yeah, be the wheel is kind of like a it's a it's a prayer, you know? Yeah. For for our resilience as as a species, as a as a people, as a as a spirit, collective mycelial network, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's it. Well, I feel like you could take it on such a, a large, take it on the macro, like you're thinking. Yeah. But then I think you can also apply the same analogy or principle to so many different things. I mean, our in our world, and especially in the conversations that us artists and creatives are always having, and people that like have to try to get the attention of folks on the internet. It's like, don't right. don't focus on MySpace or Vine or Instagram or yes. Facebook or TikTok. Just be a compelling artist. And then if it Man, happens to just said it totally, bro. It, that's the whole game. I fi- sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, get it, get in, man. I, I can tell go. you're excited. Go, go, run with well, it. Well, I had a coffee. I had a coffee. Yeah, it's very easy to. Yeah, you're right, bro. That's totally a component of the song. Is let's not try not to get hung up on the particular. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, like the particular outlet or the medium platform it's not really about the medium it's about the message yes and that's what the art is you know i do so yeah i know you do man because (laughs) you're doing you do it you do that you know and that's i think it's very easy for people to see someone who's becoming more visible and go like how is how's how are they doing it you know Mm -hmm. and when i talk to you and that's what that's why I started this show being like Corey's one of the deepest most genuine humans I know because that's why it's working. <laughs> I hate to sure. uh, sorry everyone like I, yeah. I this might be bad news there's no secret 
The secret is you're truly excited about what you're doing and it's mm -hmm. contagious. Yeah. You know, and that's what people tell me. Um, and I know you've heard this when people come to Wolf shows. Whenever we get an opportunity to talk to fans, a lot of the feedback I hear is people going, man, I, it's like, it's almost like you guys are just like having so much fun up there. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's, that is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an act, you know? And like, that's cool. I mean, yeah. I, I guess that's rare, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. That's, but to me, that's like anyone can access that joy. Totally. That's, that's there. That's in you. You know, I, whether or not you let it out is the question. And I don't know if this is a little bit of a matter of getting older and just like, I can't try to be cool anymore. It just doesn't work. I can't keep up. I don't know what's cool. You know what I mean? I just don't. It's like, yeah, but, but I some can people be. are like inherently cool. And some people totally. make music that's inherently cool. Like, I think, like, when I'm listening to your record, I listen to the sounds and I'm just like, oh, those decisions are all so cool. They're, they're, oh, they're, they're very great musical decisions. They are one of a yeah. hundred ways you could treat that song. But the way that totally. you decide to treat your song and your production style and your, your taste, it, whether you're chasing something which you're not because you're just like, I don't know, right. I'm just going to do my thing, it is well, inherently cool. That's cool. To, that's cool to hear. <laughs> and I think so. Maybe that's an opportunity to talk about the what the through line. What was the goal here? What was the target we were trying to hit with this record production wise? Yeah. What? Because there's some insane guitar tones on here too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Corn well, dust grow in in particular. Yeah. But but get into totally. it. Totally. That's it. that's a very cool approach. So I have to thank Phil Weinrobe who recorded this record and brought out some nice microphones and but Phil really understood I really connected with Phil as a person and as an artist um we we talked through what these songs meant to me where they were coming from and I really feel like he he met that head on in mm -hmm. in a way that is truly synergistic you know yeah like without Phil like Phil Phil I've never had more of a like, wow, you're in my brain. But mm. thank you. Thank you for for being the part of my brain that I needed to take the right picture of how this actually sounds in my head. Yeah. That was a really cool experience. So Phil, Phil Weinrobe, very special um, recording engineer and mixer. He also mixed the record. But the, the approach was that I, I realized over the years that, you know, I love recording. I love recording and... I love playing live. So it's not an either or thing. But the realization I had was if I'm going to be, if if I'm going to capture myself in audio form, playing to my edge of my potential, mm -hmm. then I have to be playing live. Mm. Now, you can play live in an overdub setting if you commit to a full take of your performance. Yeah. That is one way to play live. Just to be very clear to those listening. I'm not trying to say, as soon as you're in the DAW, you're not going to get it. That's not what I'm saying at all. For myself, playing live, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, because people get kind of religious about yeah, this, yeah, I know. but I'm not trying to be on a high horse. I'm For me, me alone with the DAW is not my happy place. You know, 
me in a room with players and me having to react to them and them having to react to me is is where I'm my best. If if the goal is to capture like the rawest, most fiery Theo, yeah, then that's there's one way to do it. You know what I mean? And it's this. And I'm very proud of all the music I've made, but I I was just ready to try the scariest thing for me, which is like, can I record an album, you know, capturing live performances in the room, fully live vocal, no edits. And that's what this is. Um, There are some layers of overdubs that we did after we got the initial full band and vocal capture. And Phil... We we had talked about the process, and uh, James Henry Jr., my producer, <clears throat> we talked about this as well. They held me to it, like no comping. We would do a vocal BGV, and we'd do a pass, and I'd be like, ah. They'd be like, yes. And I'm like, I well, I, and they're like, nope. Next next part. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. So the, the record has a specialness to it that you kind of get for free. Yeah. When you just commit, you know, and, and another thing is I really learned this from Wolf, man. Yeah. I learned this from the way we record with Wolf. I mean, it was one thing, the first couple of years of Wolf recordings were just like all instrumental, right? Or I'm playing drums or I'm playing guitar. And there's a certain thing to that. Like I have been doing that my whole life and yeah, you know, it's, it's fun and it's rewarding and it's thrilling. But then one day, I think it was when we did Lonely Town, which isn't even that long ago. Jack was like, yeah, you know, you'll do the vocal, uh, you know. Yeah, you're just going to do it. I'm like, laying on the couch. Do it in the room? Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I can't do this. And then it was like, wait, maybe I can. And then I was like, oh, by the way, I'm also going to go, like we had to play, we had to play some stuff too. (laughs) It was, it was almost, it was almost like a physical feat, you know? Yeah. Once I got done with that, I was like, wait, I can, why can't I deliver a live vocal in the studio? I do it on stage. That's way harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Um, but there's not as much of a, on stage, you're in the moment, so you don't have time to think. And the game of recording is like getting used to the red light. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. People get red light disease where they're like, oh no, this is the moment of cap. It's like any performance based thing, you know, like once the ball hits gets hit and you got to field the ground ball you know yeah. uh, a game time so the red light is game time and i wanted to have the courage to try that out and it was it was insanely risky in a way because you know we set up the studio in, in my house in the woods and it's deep in the woods and i had to call twice like, just to make sure i was in the right spot <laughs> If anything breaks, you know what I mean? It's like, well, the tape machine's working now, but is it going to work tomorrow? It's like, oh my God, I was sending every prayer I had. It's like, you know, because if it don't work, I still spent all the money to get everyone out there, Yeah, you know, and bought all the gear. And it's like, oh my God, if this doesn't work, I'm like, I'm screwed. You know, this is my life savings. We had that with um, the Wolf record. The power went out for eight hours. That's true. I, I conveniently <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> What did we end up doing that day? Having dinner over know. at the Airbnb. <laughs> That's true. And then we came back. The power ended up coming back. Listen, the goal for 2023, proper generator. Okay? I'm going to get one of those crazy, lossless, 
immediate <laughs> dude you know what i'm saying power Mike, doesn't even go Mike off Shane pulled up antoine's jeep and because the antoine's jeep had a had a plug it like it had a regular oh my gosh you're right we were gonna try to use that in a mini generator to power your tape machine <laughs> try to make an album in the woods without mike shea i dare you it's impossible he's the only guy who can solve Antoine's like I-, I got an outlet in my jeep <laughs> oh my gosh you're right so yeah i mean you know we're we're a little bit risk takers by nature, maybe from doing this thing that we do with our lives. The stage, mm-hmm. you know, is a, is a, apparently people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Um, <laughs> that's a thing, apparently. Um, wow. So we're, we're, we're maybe a little bit of different kind of, kind of cats, but yeah, it's still scary to do this stuff. And I, yeah, I just had to, I had to go for that. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's the thing that I want to let people know is that it's not about being like, Look how tough I am. I did this. It's about saying, what's the way for you to most honestly and effectively capture your your purest expression? Yeah. And I think I have a, a little bit of a, I'm kind of on one about this right now. My guess, my feeling, it's not even a guess, is I have an intuition that the further we get into AI, the further we get into sample-based music, which by the way, I some of my favorite music in the world is has been done in the box. It's not about the box versus tape, yeah. you know? It's about what's the way that you do your thing that is uniquely you. Yes. For me, that's doing live capture. Yes. And it can be live in isolation like it was on my Modern Johnny record for three of the tunes. What did you mean by love? You could be president and... I don't want to be a billionaire. Those are full takes. Yeah. And they're in ISO. So there's no bleed, right? Yeah. There's just drums in a room. But those three songs, two of those three were the best performing on Spotify as well. Mm. I find that interesting. You know what I mean? What's happening there? Is it the song? Maybe. I'm sure it's a big part of it, but it's also the performance. Like those tracks have a certain feeling to them. They were also the easiest to finish, quickest. Yeah. And they were the ones that I was most proud of. And they're the most so I just feel. And maybe that's, well, there part you go. Of, that's part of the thing. Right. And the thing I realized is like my evolution as an artist and person has been that the, I, was a little, I was a little scared of that, of the most potently Theo. You know what I mean? Because mm. the more I go into Theo, the more I'm going to be alone on an island with no one else where it's like, ah, it's kind of, it's funky, but it's like, it's kind of heavy lyrically, but it's rock, but it's on an acoustic guitar, but it's not like acoustic rock, but you know, so it doesn't, and it's not jazz and it doesn't really work at a funk festival and darn, you know, you can end up going, oh man. Yeah. I'm alone. It's like, no, that's great. The goal as an artist would be to be unique, you know, at least, like it's not it's a good thing it's not a bad thing but it feels like a bad thing when you're coming up and you're kind of like i don't know where this fits yeah maybe i shouldn't lean more into myself no lean into yourself i mean mm-hmm. i remember a time when i heard <laughs> i listened to a record and i was like it was actually a dave barnes record yeah i love dave dave's an amazing songwriter amazing guy and i remember going like what Corey Wong, like, 
<laughs> it was like, well, I know who that is. You know, there's no way that is anyone else on the whole planet but Corey. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Now, you've leaned into that. By the way, and- I still have that voicemail. I have the voice memo on my phone of you calling me saying, bro, I just wanted you to know you have such a sound now and you don't need to call me back. I just want you to know I'm not asking if you played on the Barnes record. I know it was you. (laughs) That was the moment for me, like you're saying, where I did feel like I fully leaned in. And that was, as soon as you said that, that was like some piece of validation for me that, oh yeah, I can have my sound and choose to use it or not. I'm so glad to know that because- yeah, when I first met you, I was you were kind of um what blew me away about you was I heard you doing what I would now be like that's Corey fully Corey. And then I and then on on the next tune cuz it was at Bunkers. Yeah. In Minneapolis, so you were you were playing through like a lot of different repertoire that night. Yeah. And some part of the set you had to be like what I might call like ethereal vibe guy yeah. on guitar. Yeah. And I've never seen anyone go from like completely like native level convincing ethereal vibe to like full prints like get just get out of the way like <laughs> this is its own rhythm section thing i was just like i've ne- i didn't know even know it was possible you know but that was because you were closer i mean that's that's your evolution is like you yeah. came up as a musician yeah you know what i mean like you you were trying to learn how to be a versatile musician, which you can still hear in all of your music and you still play to sure. that that spectrum. Um, but the more you lean into and find your sound, the irony is it's sort of like a, it is a bit of a a threshold to cross as a, as a musician artist is like, am I going to fit in on everyone's thing or am I going to stick out? Mm, yeah. And it, you know, yeah. that's like a scary thing. It's not like you can't do both. I still play drums on people's records and I try to, you know, fit yeah. the song and I love that. But how do, how do you feel about that? I mean, that's that's kind of a an essential I feel that that's an ex- essential part of becoming an artist is when and and I guess I want to hold space for the the discomfort that you feel as an artist when you go, "Man, I'm I'm stepping out alone deeper in to myself." And I'm sort of alone. I'm pretty alone out here and like I'm sticking out and it's like a little scary or it can be so scary that you don't want to do it. But I really feel like that's the beginning of the beginning. That's where you're like, whoa, I'm unique. And, and the thing that I find is that's, that's the place where you start actually being able to use music or anything you do, but we're talking about music. So music and art creation as a door, like a pathway to self-acceptance and ultimately self-love so then there becomes this whole emotional spiritual component where there's not really a distinction between the art and the person Mm -hmm. so of all the things you can do with your life whether or not you do this for a living that is available to every human who makes music do you know what i mean absolutely making this into a living is not going to work for every single person and it might not work for us forever you know Mm -hmm. we're working we're working all day every day on this on that yeah it's hard. It's not the easiest thing in the world, you know? And it's not a guarantee. And, but the, I, I feel like I almost can guarantee that if you let this be a, a path to your own self-acceptance, it can be. And yeah. that's really powerful. And you get to like live and die with that. And that, that can change your life. And that's available to everyone. I think so I a- figure, why not start there, you know? Absolutely. 
I think there's a few aspects to that. One being awareness of self and how how potent your thing is. Like I know that mm-hmm. for me, a lot of my guitar thing can be very potent in certain settings. And I need Absolutely. to learn how to dial that up or dial it back. In the same way that your your Theo thing can sometimes be, because it's so captivating and it's so magnetic, sometimes if it's like you let Theo up there on the guitar and the vocal, right. you might you might right. take away from the main focus. Like So you got to kind of be totally, careful man. on on how much your thing is. And then- Totally, and that- Oh no, then I was gonna say, and then part of it is also how much of your own personal identity do you wrap into all of it? Not just it itself, but do you wrap your identity in how people perceive you as an artist? Do you wrap your identity into the quote unquote success you have as an artist? Or are you wrapping your identity in just- the actual art itself and your ability to express who you are as a human. And those what of those, man. what of those are in your control and what of those are not in your control? Well, maybe <laughs> you've just, maybe I think that was a rhetorical question, but yes, if I'm not yes. mistaken, you, you also answered it. Yes. <laughs> the third one is in your control and the first two are totally not. Yeah. So in my experience, the, the majority, I can say probably, probably all of the real emotional suffering that I experienced over the last two decades of walking the, the artist path mm-hmm. was when I was wrapping my identity up into my own perception of like, how am I being perceived? A, which was the first thing you said, right? Yeah. And B, am I successful enough? It's like, I tried hanging my hat on those hooks and I was a depressed, suffering person, mm-hmm. you know? So if someone out there can hang their hat on those hooks and feel joyful every day, then I clap for you. I, I could not. I did not ever figure out how to do that. And those, those both just feel like, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not in my control and they're, they're not empowering. They have nothing to do with me in a way they have to do yeah. with everyone else. I don't know how everyone else is going to perceive me, you know, and uh, it's not in my control. So if I'm trying to live for that, it's like when you say, don't read the comment thread, you know, <laughs> I love that lyric. Yeah. It's like, no, don't, don't read the comment thread. You know, you don't have to, it's not for you. I mean, if you want to, you can, it's kind of, it can be like a spiritual practice <laughs> to be like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go read like, you know, the negative comments. No, the the thing to me, once I realized, and it's still is, I have to practice staying with this mindset because mm-hmm. it's it's evasive. It falls away. You know, it's very easy to fall into comparison. And I have my heroes. You know, so, I mean, I feel that way about you, man. There's plenty of stuff you do that I'm like, oh man, I love that. I wish I could do that. And that's good. That's true for everyone I love and everyone mm-hmm. whose music and art I love. But don't let yourself get hung up in that as a distraction from going on the hunt for yourself. Yeah. That's the place where you where I have found 100% of the of the joy and self-love is that is walking the path of like de- focusing on the process. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's very cliché probably for a reason. It's like process over outcome. Yeah. Every time. Apparently this is how John Wooden the the famous basketball coach I'm about to step in some dog doo-doo here when I try to go 
pro sports or college sports because I don't know anything. <laughs> you got but the book at the John house. Wooden's I know book. you got the Come book. Come on, man. Yeah, I you know, know I got the wooden book. <laughs> John Wooden, man. Was all, he's like, what, the winningest coach in college basketball history? We'll say, With yeah. a rotating yeah, cast like of, yeah. uh, of players, you know? And then I mean, people are like, yo, but you had Kareem. It's like, come on, bro. Read the book. It ain't about knocking John Wooden off the <laughs> off the throne here. Exactly. It's about reading the book. And his thing was all process. So they would win as a result of how they practiced. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He didn't care about winning or losing. He cared that you practiced, that your process was was as pure as it could be. And yes. I would say the same for music, for anything, you know? And and so the the sort of landmine out there the landmines are everywhere and they have to do with the entirety of the world we live in that is built to sell you your own fears and insecurities back to you that's sounds negative but like we know that the the founders of instagram were in the first um addictive design course at stanford this is stuff we know so we know that the thing is addictive when people go oh i haven't my my problem is I'm like kind of addicted to Instagram. I'm like your problem. It's the whole reason it works. Now, is that inherently bad? I don't know. I mean, I you can use it for good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not against Instagram. I'm 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 appreciative of Instagram, and at times Instagram pulls me into, you know, a psychological hellscape. So I need to be careful. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I do. Of comparison. Yeah. I don't. So again, thank you. Thank you for making Instagram. I'm not knocking it. Um, I'm just saying, yeah. The the if you're not careful out here, you will you will spend a lot of time, waste a lot of time, buying your own insecurity uh, via you know television and mm. phone and everything that's being sold back to you. And um, it's it's really it's it's dangerous out there. You know, you got to go in here. To stop being out there is what I is what I have found. So let's get there, cause yeah, I've yeah. I've seen you over the last you know like we can go as far into this as we want. We over the last several years have had peaks and valleys, both personally yeah. and just like we've seen each other through a lot of things. We've been through a lot of things in a band together, uh, both hilariously incredible and hilariously absurd and yeah uh it, it it causes a lot of like there's different things that that it that work or don't work for certain people my character in wolfpack is just pretty much my character in my music as well like i i feel mm-hmm. like they're kind of the one in the same theo katzman right. that character as a person and your music is quite a bit different than what your character is in the band i know right. that played some things and there's an outside perspective of the way that people think about who Theo is and what Theo brings to the table and what Theo's whatever is, where you might have a different view of what your music is or what you're bringing to the table. And I've seen you go through and wrestle some of those things and then yeah. wrestle your own independent things like you're talking about. Who am I as an artist? How? What do I have to say? What do I have to write? I've seen you <laughs> book entire tours and then say, I don't, I just, I need to, no, I'm, I'm not going to do the tour. I'm going to do the album instead. Yeah. And then you yeah, man. don't do the album recording and then you push oh that. God. And then yeah, it, there's, there's a journey that you've been on that I'm sure so many people can relate. I'm curious, 
what you want to talk about regarding how you've got to the place where you are now. And I know there is some very tangible tools that you've learned to use to overcome any of those mental battles or struggles. What can you, what wisdom can you speak to those that might be dealing with some of those things? Great question, man. Well, the first thing is having community is essential to doing this, I feel, as in, in the arts. I know some people are like total lone wolves, but I'm really not. I need a lot of alone time, but yeah, you, you in specific and our community in general has been so supportive of me going on my solo journey because I, I really started as a singer-songwriter before Wolf. Mm-hmm. And then when Wolf began, it was like a total joyful, like kind of just for fun thing, you know? Yeah. And then it started to catch on and it was like, oh, wow, this is great. But it's like a side thing, you know? And it was like designed to be a side thing mm-hmm. for for everyone involved. But Jack, it was like Jack's, you know, Jack's working on this all the time and we're kind of, we're just kind of coming in. Yeah. And then as it started to really catch on, it was like, wait, we have real opportunities as a band. And it was it was definitely a challenge for me for a few years where I was like, man, I don't know how to balance this with with this other thing that I just have to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I don't write my own songs, I just, I'm going to snap, you know? Yeah. And some of that was time management where it was like, I you know, Wolf... Wolf never, like, people are like, you guys never tour. But there were a couple of years where we hit it pretty hard. There's basically like two years where, and part of the reason we, it felt like we were hitting it hard is that we didn't have anything planned out ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> it was all kind of catching on in real time. So it was like, wow, oh, cool, this festival. It's like, okay, now, wait, that one. And then and the next, and then there's a two-week run. And then we're going to do that. And then we're going to go to Europe. And it was just like, I didn't know how to manage my time yet. I didn't have my, like, six weeks of Theo time on the books. You know, yeah. there wasn't any money really coming in yet. It was going to happen later in the year when we would go get it, you know? So it was like, I don't really know how to... So I was like gigging a ton and doing like, you know, playing weddings and doing rooftop gigs and at bars in, in LA and doing every gig I could basically while still trying to be an artist and playing a band that was kind of starting to pop off. So there was just some basic time management that I didn't have. Yeah. But the deeper thing was that I had to, I basically had to like come to the realization that it's not, it's not about what happens with my project as a result of like the success of it. Mm -hmm. I just need to do it. And I went through, you know, a struggle of like, now that people know I'm this guy in Wolf, what's going to happen when they come out and see me at a venue that's a tenth of the size, you know, mm-hmm. this is like, I should be, I should be bigger than I am, but it's like, no, I shouldn't. That's exactly the room I should be playing. And how lucky am I? I, I started to realize like, wait, I'm living the dream. Like I get to do, we get to play. There was times where we played to, I don't know, 15, 20,000 people. And then I'd go do my songs at a 500 cap and get this intimate experience and then get this, um, kind of like stadium level experience. And I started to feel like, wait, I could bring stadium energy to an intimate room. <laughs> and yeah. then I was like, wait, I can bring intimate energy to a stadium. This is, this is kind of a superpower, you know, I'm yeah. getting both sides of the coin. And so basically once I started leaning in, you know, because I'm lucky that life didn't really let me spin out too hard. I had too good mm-hmm. of a community foundation Yeah, and 
deep friendships like yours where I'd say like, Corey, I'm struggling. And you're like, what's the deal? And I'm like, well, I need to, I just need to, I need a tour more, you know, for my own thing. And you're like, okay, so book a tour. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, wait, that's it. I just need to do it. Like for me, so much of it was that it was like, when you get stuck in your head, you lose the practicality of like, you're the kind of guy who goes, cool, man. I hear you. Emotional thing. Okay, here we go. We're going to get a calendar out. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, <laughs> calendar. I'm crying too hard for the calendar. You're like, no, no. Cool it. We can take the calendar out, you know? <laughs> like, find me a two-week chunk in eight months and let's go. And it's like, wow, it's really that simple sometimes. Yeah. So I don't think without deep friendship and community, I would have been able to get out of my own way enough to see that, wait a minute. I just need to walk this gauntlet, man. I just need to walk this path. Yeah. The walking of it is what's going to change this for me. And some of it was the fear of like, how do I manage these different characters? Because the character of Theo Katzman is really not a character. It's just me. Yeah. And then the character of me in Wolf, surprise, it's also just me, you know? But it's me playing in a kind of, I'm playing drums a lot. I'm playing funk guitar. I'm playing, I'm playing kind of like, um, See, I can't go basketball and, and be legit enough, but it's like, maybe it's like Jason Kidd or like an assist guy, you know, who occasionally yeah does a slam dunk, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of Wolf is that it's such a teamwork thing, but everyone gets to shine. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their moment or set of moments. Yeah. I've never been in a more supportive situation than that. No one's in each other's way. It's like, Everybody, you guys all were like, yeah. I mean, at first it started as an instrumental band, so I kind of felt like closeted, like, well, I'm a singer, you know? Yeah. And once everybody kind of figured that out, it was like, dude, sing. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, (laughs) well, oh no, but I'm singing from the drum kit. What happens if they come to my show and they see me singing from guitar? It's like, congratulations, you're Dave Grohl. That's cool. You're Levon (laughs) Helm. Like, nothing wrong with being Phil Collins or Don Henley or Maurice Maurice White. Like, let's go, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was always my dream was like, I would look up to Grohl and Levon and Maurice White and these cats where it's like, wait, you can play drums and sing? And then you can pick up a guitar and sing? Yeah. It's again, but that's, that's finding your unique voice, you know? And once I realized that that's, that's me playing to the fullness of what is really me, that's when I felt like it was kind of like I'm starting to unlock a superpower now. I'm mm-hmm. not competing with anyone. Yeah. I'm not competing for a gig. There's yeah. no gig here. It's just called Theo Katzman. It's called Wolfpack. It's called us. You know what I mean? We're not the new face of funk. We're just us. Yeah. You know what I mean? What, what do you call this music? It's funky. It's deeply weird. It's improv comedy. It's like very old school Jewish humor. It's like, you know, it's almost like showbiz, like early showbiz. It's it's all over the map. What is that? And then it's like, you come to a Theo Katzman show and I hope, I mean, I, my aim is to make you laugh and then in the next line, like start crying, like yeah. real deep hurtful tears. And it's like, yeah, that's what I'm going for. And that's, I don't know what to call it. You know, it costs $35 and I, I hope to see you there. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what this is, but it's it's good. It's high quality. It's good. And it's me and it's us. And I think that's, yeah, that's my dream is yeah. to is to get there. So, I mean, I really feel like I'm at the kind of the beginning of really fully accepting that. It's not that it's not still challenging at times, but I just lived enough time 
trying out the rat race of evaluating myself by what my own perception of other people, you know, what they think of me is. And the truth is I have no idea what they think of me and probably they like it, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's, it becomes a practice, you know? I mean, we just did on the new Wolfpack album, we did a version of my song, What Did You Mean By Love? And it's an amazing version, you know? Yeah. Antoine sounds incredible and it's like it brings out this whole other flavor to the song. And we got to do my song Love is a Beautiful Thing with Monica Martin. Yeah. Like these are these are I realized like, wow, this is great. I love this. You know, I don't I don't I don't go, oh bummer. They didn't hear my version. It's like this isn't a competition. First of all, this is making it so more people hear my version. Yeah. You know? But it totally. ain't, it ain't about that for me anymore, man. It's about doing it. I want to do it. Yeah. I want to get on stage and walk. I want to take the stairs, bro. Let's take the stairs, man. Everyone wants the elevator. I understand. I used to wish for the elevator every day, cry myself to sleep for the elevator. I'm telling you, there's no elevator. You know? It's just stairs. Let's go. Start walking. It's that's that's the thing. It's it's the greatest thing. Once you realize that like the joy is in doing it, this is a superpower, man. Absolutely. And so much of all this that you're talking about though, and even the way you're talking earlier about recording, you're a live guy. You're a recording guy, but you're a recorded yeah. live guy. You just ooze music and musicality. You've got the, like, you could pull off just like being Benson if you wanted to. Like, that's <laughs> the thing that's so funny is sometimes people, you'll freak people out because they'll know you as like funky linear drumming guy for one second. And then it's like right. singer songwriter guy. And then all of a sudden, you go full Benson in a way right. that like most other cats who are trying to go Benson can't even go hold a candle to. Like where mm. I'm, I know you're a second generation musician. I know you grew up playing music. Music has been around you, but like, how do you feel like you just absorbed so many aspects of music on so many instruments? Like, were you just straight up locked in a room playing music nonstop as a kid? Is it just, was it innate? What's, how did you get right. so musical just as a person? Everything about Right you? on, yeah. Well, I have, I do come from music. My dad was a top studio trumpet player in LA in the heyday on the Tonight Show, Carson Show Band, et cetera. Played with everybody. And, but he was mostly retired by the time I was really, you know, mm -hmm. starting to become a aware human being as like a kid. Sure. But he oozed music, everything. He he was a bebop dude, like a real, and he was born in 1928. You know, he was touring with Benny Goodman when he was like 19 or yeah. something. And and his thing in the big band era was he was a bebopper. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, you, you know what I mean by that. But yes. a lot of people yeah, are like, what yeah. do you mean? But it's like, no, my dad was actually like, a, <laughs> my dad was like too hardcore for, for big band. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> He was like, whatever, man. If they, they'd be like, Lee, don't play too hot. Like, you know, kind of like rein it in for the for the people. <laughs> and he'd just go full bop every time he kind of had a chance to blow a solo. <laughs> um, so that's definitely where I get that energy. Um, and then my mom is the daughter of, of classical musicians, and she's a huge jazz fan, and she can sing. And my mom doesn't play an instrument. And I'm not just saying this because she's my mom, but she can like, my mom is the only person I know who can like just pick bebop lines out of the sky with no key and be like, so don't be that. like she can, 
she can sing chromatically yeah. with no reference center and actually nail it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. She's just like, Bebop is her Beatles. You sure. know what I mean? She's yeah, just yeah. like, sings Charlie Parker lines. It's cool. That's dope. <laughs> That's like my mom. So anyway, my mom would sing to me as a kid, and but they never, they never like, they never forced music on me, and they didn't even put me in music lessons, which is kind of funny looking back. They tried piano when I was seven, but it was just too, like, Mary had a little lamb for me. I, I couldn't, I remember being like, I don't like the music. I can't do this. Like, I just had, I just didn't dig the music. Yeah. And I basically didn't dig the music, quote unquote, until I heard Zeppelin. Hmm. And I was playing clarinet in the, two things happened around the same time. I was playing clarinet in the um, wind ensemble, at, you know, in sixth grade or whatever, when it started yeah. in fourth grade. And I worked my way up to first chair clarinet. I can't play clarinet at all by now. I don't even remember anything. I can't even make a note on it. <laughs> it's a really hard instrument. But I remember the ensemble was slowing down. Mm. And for whatever reason, I like, I noticed that and I drive, drove me crazy. I couldn't stand it. And I'm 12 and I'm like, I go home and I'm like, dad, the band is slowing down. You know? <laughs> and my dad's just like, my dad's like, drummer's got no time. You know, drummer's got no time. Just, and it's like, the drummer, no, no, no. There's like a snare guy, a bass guy, a cymbals guy. It's like, we're all 10 years old. Like, this is not, you know, my dad just real hardcore on it. He's like, nope, drummer don't have time. You know, it's like, <laughs> so my dad told me that. And around the same moment, I heard Zeppelin and I just completely lost my mind, man. I remember hearing the ocean. You know how? Yeah. They were full already and now they're steady and then they went. One, two, three. I heard the ocean. Yeah. By Zeppelin off the fifth album, Houses of the Holy. And I, I, I like ran home from my friend Tommy's house. I was like, Dad, I got to play drums. I'm a drummer. And I just like, he said I stuck my finger in his chest. I went like, I'm a drummer. <laughs> so my dad was so psyched. And he got me a drum kit, and luckily he, my dad knew, knew you know, cats in the New York scene to be like, yo, I need lessons for my kid. Yeah. And so I ended up getting, you know, a really good teacher. They could see that I had talent and an aptitude for it. And the first few years of drums, I, I attacked the drums like I was playing a few hours a day after school every day. I'd play along with records. Yeah. And you're going to love this collection of records. It kind of sums me up. So maybe this is the answer to the question. Zeppelin. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't transcribe anything. I would just play along with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which didn't I didn't transcribe as for. in write it down. You didn't, you didn't write yeah, it down. Yeah, I didn't even figure out the exact parts. Oh, okay. Like right. I would kind yeah. of, I was, you know, I was shedding, I was taking lessons and I was shedding stuff. And sometimes the guys would be like, okay, here's the drum part. But, but I was already just playing along with the records and learning to groove with. Yeah. Bonham learning to groove with Carter both because my yes. records were which, my which records ones, were, which ones I mean I had Crash absolutely and I had Under the Table and Dreaming yes I had the very best of the meters bro ooh that's a dope and I had record. Zeppelin you know one two three four and Houses, and Houses of the Holy. Holy yeah and I had Soul Live ooh 
a tape next, on cassette. My next teacher, was it that I had, record? bro? I had every I had every Soul Live record. I actually caught the the real journey from record one, which I got on cassette, which wow. my teacher bootlegged or something. Like I I was I went one for one with Soul Live. And like, you know, as, as their catalog progressed. So I was essentially in retrospect, I was playing what you might call like Neo soul, like really like in a way like hip hop influenced drumming on the soul live tip. Yeah. The Alan Evans um, thing. Yeah. Alan Evans. And I remember going to like, <laughs> once the jam thing started to catch on, you know, and people got me into fish. Yeah. And I, you know, we lo- I love fish. I mean. We love, I mean, you know, Trey, we've actually gotten to have dinner with Trey. Trey is- Dude, that was one of the dopest dinners ever. One of the best nights of my life. Uncle Trey, Trey dude, the stories Trey, out of that man. cat. Dude, people have no idea what a big influence, Trey, what is it like when Bonnaroo started, they like rented Trey's PA. <laughs> yeah, dude, they Just rented like, their, like, yeah, we need somebody no who knows. Yeah. <laughs> there's no festivals, there's no modern festivals without fish. You know what I mean? There's no- it's they they blaze such a trail um and what a genuine generous beaming light of a human trey anastasio is man that was so much fun trey yeah dude i would i would do anything for trey man that and i only hung out with him once and it wasn't even some like it was actually i want to tell a story with him twice right 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 thank you but the the thing i want to tell quickly about trey this is how genuine trey is we meet trey the the Tranosagio band and Wolfpack are out to dinner. Our friend Merlin threw a dinner for us. He's an amazing chef. Dopest in the, in the Denver game. area. Yeah. Dopest in the Merlin's game. Merlin's cat. Merlin. Woo! What's up, bro? If you're listening, Merlin throws Merlin gets an Airbnb for Wolfpack and the Tranosagio band to have dinner the night before we play Red Rocks. So we fly in early. We have this incredible meal. We're all getting to know each other, saying what's up. Some of us are friends already. We sit down at the table and I didn't didn't occur to me that Trey was gonna join. You know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden Trey walks in and it's like, I'm like, oh my God, it's Trey. You know? And I'm like, okay, play it cool. You know, because it's like childhood hero stuff. Yeah. Like this is I'm I'm cool, right? Am I cool? We cool? And he says hey to everyone. He's like, hey man, what's your name? Theo. He's like, oh I'm Trey. I'm like, good to meet you, man. And I think I was like the last in line of of the intros here or something. So he's like so what? So what do you guys been doing, man? Are you on tour? Or is this a one-off? And I go like, ah, yeah, you know, playing a couple shows, you know. And I just gave him an out, like, quick answer, no big deal, you yeah. know. Like, here's the exit, Trey. You can just take the exit, go for it, you know. And he's like, oh yeah, where, where, have you, where, where? What's up? What's up with the tour? You know, what's going on? I'm like, ah, you know, West Coast, another out. He's like, where? I'm like, ah, I was, you know, Portland. He's like, where? Crystal like, Ballroom. Ah. <laughs> Crystal Ballroom. He's like, oh man, is that the room with the bouncy floor? Yes, like, yes. Dude, like, oh, I man. He's, he's like, oh, I love that room. And he starts talking about the room and he's asking questions. And it was like, wow, this guy is, I can't get him, I can't get him out of this conversation. And I'm dude, trying was, yes. to, because I'm assuming he wants to leave because he's a celebrity, but no. He's the most, he's so interested. He wanted to you know, know I mean? where we were in the journey. He wanted to know how we were getting yes. through it. He was interested in the yes. details of what rooms are you at? Are they fun for you? Are, is it still like this? Because I remember it like yes. this. Oh, like, man, yes. remember he was talking about putting all the gear in the back of Fishman's, like, uh, gremlin car or something like that. I don't know. They were talking yeah, about yeah. this. 
<laughs> talking about all this, the cars and the, yeah. just, he was talking about how they went from there to the van, to the bus, to the buses. Yeah. Dude, it was, you're, totally, you're absolutely man. right. He was so interested. Yes. And I, I have to say, this is a little woo woo perhaps, but like the thing that people feel flying off a of fish is that. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, I haven't met the other guys, but I know they share that thing. Like, and I also know Trey is a beacon of that. And when you get on that stage and when you put out that album, and even when you post on social media and when you draw a graphic and when you come up with a t-shirt and when you come up with your signature guitar with a <laughs> emergency fourth position push pot, okay? Yes. You have an opportunity to send that enthusiasm about the that genuine enthusiasm into the world via everything you do. And call me crazy, but I've found it not even, even though I was shocked initially, I started to realize like, oh, of course this is who Trey is. Well, how do we get fish? How do you explain fish? This is a phenomenon. What is this about? It's bigger than the music. And then you talk to the guy and it's like, oh, he's interested in the story. He's interested in the journey. He's interested in the love. He's interested in the energy, the connection. You know what I mean? It's like, no wonder this is the biggest independent band in the history of the world. I mean, yeah. what is fish is a massive thing. Dude, they're huge. And so, you know, I want I want people to know this because I think on your way up in the journey, you're like, how do I get to position X? Yeah. And then you look at people who you're like, oh, I gotta get a I gotta go out to Hollywood and, you know, get into some real darkness with the labels. And it's like, well, <laughs> maybe not. You know, I'm looking, I'm talking to the most successful independent musician in the history of the human race. And it seems like actually being being an incredibly interested genuine human is actually a big part of it. Dude, and remember the you next know, and, day we're at soundcheck and he's like, hey, check out this guitar my my college roommate made for me. I'm like, oh, you mean the bro. Languidoc? And he's like, hey, I'm trying Dude. these new, why don't you guys try these? I'm going to go stand in the stands, play through my new amp. I want to see how it sounds. And he goes up in the freaking stands and you and I are just ripping on his guitars through I, his rig. <laughs> bro, That that's probably, that's like the moment, like if this, I'm kind of, we'll see what happens in the future, but that's, that's, that's enough for me. Like, that's my, like, you know what? I can say like, yeah, I've played Trey's Languidoc through his dual Mesa boogies dimed at Red on, Rocks, at Red Rocks, empty. <laughs> like, I know, I know what that sounds like. It's like, whoa. And he's yelling, man. he's yelling from the, from the front house. Yeah. He's like, hit the, hit the tomb screamer. Hit the tomb screamer. Yeah. <laughs> and then every single note sustains like to peaks. And it's like, whoa, the way he plays with sustain. And then, oh, and, and I was, I remember when he handed me his car, guitar and I was like, is that, is that really cool, man? He's like, oh yeah, you play it. And I was like, man, you know that thing where you're like, this is, this is one of those moments for me. It's like, I don't know. It's like, you know, what does Schofield's guitar feel like? You know what I mean? And he goes, oh yeah, I know. Totally, man. And he hands me the guitar and I play for a little bit and he's like, oh yeah, man. And then he goes, by the way, I know what Schofield's guitar feels like. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it just, and you know, I mean, I'm not trying to drop names here, but we are on a oh, yeah, yeah, podcast about this. So now you know what Mayer's guitar feels like, I right? Know. You know what Derek's guitar feels like? Yeah. And it's like time and time again, the most, I just have met a number now of like very, very, very successful artists who are still doing it. 
And I have to say, almost every time they are like top five coolest people I've ever met in terms of like tra- yeah. like Michael McDonald. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. This guy is it's like Uncle Michael, Uncle Trey. You're like, you know, by the end of the hang, it's like Michael's like, yeah, take my number, man. I mean, yeah, we gotta hang. He's like, so, and he's just sitting there and he's he's patient and he's like ready to rehearse. And it's like, wow, is that what it takes? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And by all accounts, I hear McCartney's a very genuine, cool guy, like truly through and through. It's like, that's all I needed to hear. If Paul McCartney is a cool person who's grounded and is kind and interested in what you have to say, then everyone with an attitude can just throw it in the trash because there is no excuse. <laughs> that's right. You know what I mean? That's it's right. It's like, no excuse. Don't be, it's hard. I know that, that it's, there's so much in this. There's so much, there's so much ego. There's so much self in the way for each of us. And it's very hard and I have compassion for it. I really do because I have compassion for myself and I've been through all that. But I have to say, if you can ground yourself in whatever it is like for you to try to be a genuine, interested in other people, human being, that speaks so loudly in a sea of, you know, just the opposite. It sticks out like a sore thumb. And then when you realize that some of the most successful cats are that, like to the highest degree you've ever seen, you're like, maybe that's the ticket, actually. I just need to be like fully genuine and cool and kind and interested and questioning, ask curious, like goes a mile, man, millions, long way. Yeah, absolutely. How do we get on that? I don't remember, but I love it. Well, you were talking about your records. You had a couple Dave records, then you went into... You brought up fish. Oh yeah. Oh, the point with that was so I so that was a yes. Yeah, so I love Trey and I love fish. <clears throat> but I remember like once I started going to the jam, the jam scene stuff. In I grew up on Long Island, so was, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of jam Coliseum. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And people be like, dude, fish the funk, bro. So funky, dude. They're gonna play. They're gonna play you enjoy myself. This funk is crazy, bro. The funk. Oh my god, the funk. Can you believe this week apart group is so funky? And I'm like, yeah, it's funky. It is funky. And I'm like, you guys get out of here so long. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm like, started being like, have you heard the meters? And people would be like, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then I started becoming the kid that was like holding court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mosh pit being like, yo, let me tell you about Zigaboo. Do you want to hear <laughs> funky? I mean, it's not a... You know what I mean? And I, I'm sure Fishman would, would say the same, as would I. It's like, you like Wolfpack? Listen to Meters, man. Listen to Purdy. You know, it's like trying to give it up for where this where this comes from. And um, so I ended up being that kid in the yeah. fish <laughs> in the fish pit, in the mosh pit of fish. I ended up being the kid trying to sell people. But I hadn't even heard hip-hop yet, if I'm being honest. Do you know what I mean? So I was hearing Alan Evans, who's an incredible, he's one of the funkiest dudes. And I was like, I'm telling you, you have never heard anything like this to people. And then I find Zig and I'm like, oh my God, you know? And then it's like, then I get into hip hop and it's like, all right, my bad, everybody. The whole thing, everything I've ever said is just wrong. Even though everyone I just mentioned is extremely funky. I just wasn't aware of the lineage yet, you know? Because I didn't have anybody telling me about it. And I don't, yeah. Once I heard hip hop, I was like, I'm just going to shut up now for, for the rest of my life about this topic. But dude, think about what you're saying. Like, the fact that Wolf has granted us the opportunity to play with Zigaboo, to play with Bernard Purdy, Nate Smith, know, Michael man. Bland, all these freaking drummers that are like the reference. Dude, 
I I can't even that's the that's that's one of the most incredible things about Wolf is like and again, everyone you just mentioned, Gadson is one of the most oh bro. Yeah, when we and the, these cats can all do it so hard still. Like Purdy, like getting to when we got to play with Purdy, at some point I just got off the mic. You were like taking a solo or something. And I just put my guitar down and I just got as close as possible with my ear <laughs> to Purdy's snare. I took my earplugs out. I swear, bro. And I was like, I don't care if I lose my hearing. I need to know. And I tried not to creep him out. He didn't see me. I got as close as I could. And I just went like, uh, uh, and I was like, oh, God. Like, the way he snaps it is just like, I tried to really take a deep breath, fully, fully inhale and just be like, this is this is it. I'm at the source. Right Dude, now. yeah. He sounds in, incredible. Like it's and you can't even watch him hit the snare. It just happens. It's that's like bland too. There's just yeah. like, pop. It's like, where? Where is it happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. And Gadsden, when we got to record with Gadsden, and he's just sitting there completely silently as we work out the arrangement. And he's kind of kind of looking straight ahead. He's not really, you know, and you're like, oh, I wonder if James is paying attention, you know? And then it's like, we're like, all right, are we ready to do the take? And he's like, yeah, I think we're ready. Peter, you rolling? And now here, rolling. One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> he was he's like, not wasting any tape. the word rolling, dude. <laughs> as soon as you heard the word rolling, he counted off so, it was like, holy crap. Like, we, like Gadsden is, is completely ready to rock at all times. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he's my favorite I don't these guys are all heroes of mine but but once I discovered Gadsden I was like man that's that's the feel for me you know Gadsden Zig Purdy Levon and Ooh. Bonham is kind of where I come from and Alan Evans and Carter you know it was, it was because Carter I couldn't I couldn't figure any of that stuff out yeah. I didn't figure any of it out I have Did no you have Carter under licks, the table not a drumming? single one Did you have the VHS I, 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 I I saw it. I I didn't I didn't own it. I I did I did get it through it, but I didn't I didn't I don't know for some reason I couldn't. I lacked a certain level of like. It, it was. I'm not proud of this. I wish I had had the patience. I wouldn't get that patience till later to be like, let me transcribe. And transcription yeah, yeah. is probably the biggest, sure, way that I've been able to integrate new musical vocabulary into my world. You know, mm -hmm. but. I didn't have the patience to really transcribe when I was that age, but I did have the patience to like practice double strokes on snare for like four hours straight at a slow tempo, which yeah. is bizarre. Like I was 12 years old going like, and my dad, my dad, you know, when my dad would hear me play too fast, see, this is where my dad's wisdom was really amazing. He left me completely alone, but then, He'd open the door to the basement. My drums are in the basement. And he'd go, you can't play it at that tempo. Slow makes speed. And he'd close the door. He'd be like, too fast. Slow it down. You can't play it at that tempo. Every note, same size. Close the door. Like, <laughs> he'd just like yell a little thing like that. And it was like, whoa, okay. I knew my dad was a master musician, so I knew he was, and he didn't mess with me all the time. He never said anything unless he said something that was like, do not, you know, you're playing it too fast. Yeah. And he told me slow makes speed and something that the most significant thing he told me about drumming 
was he would say, make every note the same size. Mm. And this is, I think, I don't know where the linear thing came from with me in yeah. terms of what we, you know, what we, I mean, just for those who are muso, but maybe don't not aware of what I mean by linear drumming is when each part of the um, groove, like let's say there's a sixth, uh, eighth note pattern. Easy example would be like one and two and three and four and would be like kick, hat, snare, hat, kick, hat, snare, hat, you know, so that linear, like each of those things is sounding at a different time. Nothing's playing together. But I would work on that and I realized like there is a, there is a way to get your hi-hat to occupy the weight, like the, the, the amount of space in the groove as the kick. Mm. And it's not obvious because, you know, you can also play in such a way that's like you're dealing with the sound that goes <clears throat> and then a sound that goes. Tss. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So so to have feel like <clears throat> is a is a challenge. Yeah. But there's a way to do it. And if you if you put your ear, if you put your lens on that ear wise, it becomes its own deep practice. And I spent a lot of time doing that. So my dad was a huge influence on that. But anyway, when you think about being like, I had a Dave record, I had, I'm Dave Matthews, I got Zeppelin, but then I got Alan Evans and Zig, and then I'm a songwriter, so I start wanting to hear the lyrics, so I end up playing all that stuff kind of too yeah. quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I go to jazz school for drums, and they're like, Theo, I need more from you. I'm in the big band, and the guys keep going, more, more. And I just can't, I can't give the downbeat enough, because I'm like, I can't hear the band if I hit it that hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then it ends up being like a superpower for recording. So it's yeah. like, and then once we start playing with Wolf and you put 15,000 people in front of me, I just start bashing, which is a problem. Yeah, trying yeah. to work on that. We're getting, we're getting it dialed. But dude, I, I know you're, you've touched on it. I, th I don't think you're giving yourself and your discipline enough credit because I have personally heard you across the hall in an Airbnb in Berlin, Germany, working on a solo arrangement by Wes, Wes Montgomery of Days of Wine and Roses for two hours, right. transcribing totally. note for note the Wes Montgomery Days of Wine and Roses and hearing you totally. like come in and then you, you like knock on the door like, hey, dude, check this out. Do you think he's doing this on strings one, two, and one, two, three, four or two, three, four, five? Right. I'm like, yep, ah, totally. it's, it's more guitaristic on one, two, three, four, but maybe it sounds yeah. like more right if it's and you're like yeah 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 I agree and it, you know like, you have <laughs> totally. a discipline yeah, that, I'm a nerd yeah like, for sure yeah we, that's a good point I mean I yeah the yeah I don't want to I don't want to speak incorrectly about that I've definitely put my time in on yeah when I go in I go in hard yeah and I know you're like that and I, I've realized over the years that you you don't really get to a certain level of proficiency on your instrument unless you are kind of an obsessive type of person so sometimes mm -hmm. people be like man you're obsessive. I'm like, yeah, yep. <laughs> How do you think it got here? <laughs> I'm obsessive. I mean, yeah, I need to work on it in other places, but like, yes, we go hard. Um, the thing that that used to feel kind of like I used to feel insecure about was I didn't seem to have a singular obsession. It would change, mm. you know? So I thought, I'm a drummer, I'm a drummer, drummer. But then at age 14, I was playing in a band singing, playing drums. Yeah. And then I heard Hendrix and it was like, uh oh, I need to play guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would it was like, oh, what's going on? I had to play, what is this? 
And then I started playing guitar. And fortunately for me, my dad, even though he was a master of an instrument, a singular instrument, he was like, do it all, baby, do it all. You know, like he was fully <laughs> supportive of that. Yeah. And so then I just was like, all right, I play drums and I play guitar and I sing. No big deal. And then I, well, that's just who I am. And then I started playing guitar and singing and writing songs. And I just figured, okay, I'll go to college for drums and I'll be in a band on guitar and sing. That's what I do. Yeah. You know? Then I got to college and it was like, focus. You know, they were all like, you got to pick one. And I, and I couldn't hang. I couldn't handle it. And I tried to drop out and it was a whole dramatic. And then I met, you know, ultimately my crew of yeah. like Tyler Duncan and Mike Shea, Aaron Gold, Michelle Shamuel, Christian Carpenter, Rob Lester, all the Mitre Disco cats who ended up. And then I met Jack Stratton and it's like Dart, you know, and then it was like, okay, these, these are my people. They don't, I don't, I'll do whatever with these guys, you yeah. know? And I started writing my own songs and singing and coming into my own, realizing, you know what? I'm a songwriter. Like I do these things, but the thing that seems to be the thread that pulls all my skills together is songcraft because now I can write and arrange for a band. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, cool. I know the drums. I know the bass. I know the guitar. So it was like finally found something that yeah. it was no longer like a waste of my time from the eyes of, oh, you're not mastering one thing. It became like, whoa, this is a superpower when it comes to songwriting because I can rehearse a band and I'm not going to tell the drummer like, hey, man, could you like, um, I don't know, try like just like an open hi-hat on like just like the end of three, but no, nothing else. And it's like. Oh my God, that sounds terrible. You know, or like, just how about a crash with no kick? Can we try that? It's like, no, oh man, we can't try that. That doesn't sound good. You know, like, you don't understand drums. You know, yeah. <laughs> the only people who can do that are Stevie Wonder. You know, like, that's it. It's a, but so I, I felt like once I started coming into songwriting, I realized that this skill set was actually really valuable. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that I've really, over the years, you know, I still have insecurities about not being good enough on a single instrument. Like the last two years, I've just been truly compelled to piano, like called mm -hmm. to the piano to play piano. So I've been mostly shedding piano. Yeah. And, but I didn't let my, I didn't hold myself back this time. If I were 18, I would have been like, why am I doing this? Is this a waste of time? Yeah. But it's like, as you know about the new record, I mean, half of it is me playing piano. So it's like, dude, smiling in your piano. sleep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That joint, the melody, the chords, the way that it all interweaves is so dope. And it's so you. Thank you, man. It's so Thank totally you, you. Thank you. I have to shout out to Lerman, Ryan Lerman, for like living with Ryan Lerman and getting exposed to his like harmonic world. And just what's going on in his brain. Yeah. You know? I'm here, I'm, I'm like playing F to C for like three hours or like A to D on the piano, just shed, just shedding, like getting used to piano. You know what I mean? Yeah. A major, D major, like finding all the voicings. <laughs> I, Ryan, like I hear Ryan go, at some point, he's like walking by, he's like, yeah, man, I think you got that one fourth thing down. <laughs> like, yeah, bud. Like, <laughs> get out of my face, bro. Like, come on, man. I'm new, you know? But yeah, I, I love writing on piano now. Yeah. And, but you know, I spent, I spent hours a day doing that over the last two years and I didn't, shed guitar a lot of the time and I had to be okay with that. Yeah. It was like I've just learned that where my enthusiasm light is shining, I I need to follow it. Yeah. Because 
it's going to lead to a song or a set of songs, you yeah. know? And that's that's the thing that's my through line. Don't get me wrong. I still, you know, I think of myself as a guitar player and yeah. a drummer and that's kind of it and a singer. And I, and I want to, I want to get better at guitar and I, I know I can feel in me that there's a, there's like a serious woodshed ahead of me time on guitar and I still do it from time to time, but I, you know what I mean? I'm not as, I'll take a song over anything. Basically. It's like, if I start, that's my rule. I go in and that's what happens a lot of time. I start practicing guitar and then I start writing something and I just, I used to fight it and now I let it happen a hundred percent. Yeah. And if it takes me a week and I get a great song, thumbs up, you know, But in my family, there's still a little like, oh, you know, it's like music. The instrument is still kind of a thing. Everybody supports the song thing, but they love it. But it's like, I just grew up with this like, yeah, lineage of like masters on their instruments. So I I always felt insecure about that. Um, like when I realized like I'm not really gonna. That's not my singular aim. My dad told me he would practice ten hours a day at one point in his life. Wow, that's and a I'm lot sure of trumpet, dude. <laughs> I know, I know. Or he said he was he was shedding and then playing like when he talked about New, or early New York days, in like this is probably like 1948 with you know the what I mean? cats, dude. With the cats, and they'd go and he'd shed, 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 shed. Then he'd go to the gig, then he'd go to the late night gig, then he'd go to the after hours gig, and then they'd play baseball in Central Park from six to eight a.m. and then he'd sleep for three hours and do it again. I mean, wow. you know really hardcore like i heard i heard phil woods the great alto player tell stories like that going to see charlie parker at the after like the late gigs you know what i mean yeah like from three to six you know what i mean like like illegal insane (laughs) illegal stuff like after the bar is closed and there's just another three hours of bebop like dang man hardcore but that's why those guys were so good yeah that's insane anyway there is a few things I want to hear you talk about. Yeah, go quick ahead. Quick here. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm running my mouth. No, it's good. Again, this, this is what th- this is, right? I, I knew who I was interviewing. I knew I invited I on here. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> uh, guitar players sometimes have a hard time knowing how to approach bringing guitars aboard a flight. I want you to talk to me about oh my the time. God. <laughs> Tell oh, me about this. Is my worst. This <laughs> you, is my rock bottom, dude. <laughs> this. <laughs> Tell me about the time yeah. that you pulled off bringing three guitars to the gate, and what happened? Because I've never Bro. seen anybody pull up. Nobody. I've never seen anybody else pull off bringing three guitars to the gate. This is my rock bottom, man. I'm like, <laughs> we go to we have a gig in Portland, right? Wolf has a fly gig, and I'm like. I was, bro, this is, I was moving. I was like moving out of New York and I had nowhere to to live and we had a gig. I'm trying to go to LA and like, so I had to bring my nylon with me to the gig because I was like my only acoustic and I'm moving, you know, but all, okay. And I have my Strat, right? So it's like already I'm, I'm in trouble because this nylon, I don't even have a proper case for it. It's in like a, it's kind of like a very cheap nylon that I love dearly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's priceless, but it's only worth 500 bucks, but I know it's unique. So I'm like, I need this thing. But of course, I don't have a case for it because I'm 20 whatever and I'm broke and I just am an idiot. So <laughs> I get to, I somehow managed to get those two on the on the flight, first flight. We get to Portland, cool. I play my Strat on the gig. I've got a mono case for the Strat. So at least I figured that out. 
and it's a strat. So you don't need to be too worried, I feel, about a strat. Yeah, bolt on neck. It's like I check mine bolt everywhere. Bolt on neck. Yeah. You're the coldest there is with that. Yeah. yeah I've yeah, seen yeah. Corey check his number one a hundred times. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. That's that's a good lesson for me. <laughs> it's good. It's good. There's something there. There's something yeah, very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just a guitar. It's like, whoa, my man. Anyway, so I get the guitar on the plane. Then we go, I had, we started walking through Portland and I see this guitar store called like, old, what is it, Old Town Guitars? I don't remember. <clears throat> Something, sorry, is Old Town in LA? Old Style is in LA, sorry. I think this is Old Town. And Vintage Shop, and I just get this weird feeling looking at it. And I'm like, I gotta go in there. I think my, I think there's a guitar in there that, I, that it's mine. Yeah. You ever have that happen? Yes. You've seen me do this twice. Yeah, we did it at Chicago <laughs> Music Exchange. We'll, we'll get there later. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can tell that sidebar, one. Sidebar, if you do not want to spend any money, do yourself a favor and do not go to the Chicago Music Dude, Exchange. I just bought a 1956 Martin there last time I was in town. Oh, my it was just, God. I, it just, I played it. It was like, this is not good. This is not good. No, I, this I, is I'm, a bad thing. This is... This is bad because you're going to leave with whatever yeah, the I price know. tag says on this <laughs> debited from your credit card account. I know, and I'm talking to the guy, and he's like, you know, tells me the price, and I'm sitting like trying to negotiate. He's like, this, this is the price. I'm like, he's come like, on, Dude, man. I like, know. I'm like, Are you like, no, he's like, no, man, that's the price. <laughs> Why does it say MP next to that? What is this lobster? <laughs> no, it's it's market price, baby. You know, whatever that thing is that day, fresh caught, bro. We pulled it out of the bottom of the ocean, man. But by the way, that was <laughs> nice. Martin we went to Chicago big. Music Exchange. They opened up that back room for you and I. Yeah, played beautiful through, day. I played through every strat and you played every telly. I did not yep. leave with an instrument, but you did. I did. And you know what? The, the guitar cost the exact amount I was making on the gig. And I was just going to, I'm going to pretend this day never happened. You know? It's all good. It's nice. <laughs> Trade the gig for the guitar. You just anyway. You just you just doxed what we were getting paid at the time. <laughs> nope. I didn't say I didn't say the price. I just said it cost what we were getting paid. <laughs> Is that okay? Is that a way to say it? No, that's fine. Is yeah, that yeah. Too yeah. I, I mean, I yeah, think yeah. people could. No, no, no. It's fine. I, pe- people get weird about yeah. money, but you it's, you're in a successful yeah. band and you bought a vintage instrument and that's you. It evened out for the day. It did. It did. And, you know, if that happened today, I would not do that because now I'm more responsible with money and I need that for other things like buying all the paying for, you know, the bus cost on the tour. And exactly, you know what I mean? The stuff you end up getting, you're like, guitars are so beautiful and sexy and spiritual. And you're like, oh, <gasps> you really lust over them. And then you get to a certain point, you're like, no, nope, that's going to be fuel costs. That's going to be shipping. That's going to be vinyl. That's going to, you know, it's just yeah. like not not sexy stuff it's running a business yeah um back back to the three guitars on the plane back to the old time anyway portland i go in there and i had i had just been my ear had been opening to this other sound because i grew up playing a strat so that's all i knew yeah and i started realizing like there's something else what is this other sound turns out it's humbuckers duh but i didn't know that This is like 2015, too. I just hadn't gotten there yet. I hadn't gotten to humbuckers yet. Can you relate? Like, how long did it take you to find humbuckers? I mean, I had a I had a double cutaway Les Paul when I was 18. <laughs> what? what? Okay, oh, double cutaway. Sorry, I yeah, thought yeah. You, no, not I a heard, double. In my neck. mind, I thought of double neck. I'm like, oh, why? I'm like, oh, that's pretty far out. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so just so Corey's got a double neck. No, double cut away. So anyway, I go in there and I walk up to the ca- the guy at the counter. And I'm looking around and there's a lot of vintage instruments, but there's a lot of used. And there's a lot of used, which is a little bit of a different category than vintage, you know? Yeah. Contemporary used, which is like sometimes a great way to go because it's not stuff that's super sought after, but it's high quality. Yeah. It's been played. It's been scratched. It's been dinged. So it's cheaper, you know, because they can't sell a Gibson with a bunch of scratches on it for for that collector price, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just look at the guy and I go, hey, man, I'm in town for a one-off. I'm going to play every single humbucker guitar in this store, but if I like one, I'm going to buy it, okay? Because <laughs> I just wanted to get the whole, like, can we help you? Like, oh, is this guy, you know, what's the deal, man? You know, I wanted to just get that out of the way. It's like, yeah. look, I'm leaving with a guitar if I find it today. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm gonna, you're going to bring me 35. You know, you're going to bring me 50 of these. This is going to be a drag, but I'm going to buy one. Yeah. You know? Totally. He's like, yeah, I got you. So I go with, and the first guitar that somebody, like I walk by and this guy's like, oh, wow. Or he goes, 335, man. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those are, wow, those are so beautiful looking. He's like, yeah, it's only 1500 bucks too. And I had never seen one for under three grand. Mm. So I'm like, why? And he's like, oh, well, it's got a broken headstock. And I'm like, oh shoot, classic well, that's Gibson, bad. classic. Gibson. I didn't know about the Gibson thing. He's like, oh yeah, they they, <laughs> they all break, and actually the glue is stronger than the wood, so that's even better. It's even better that it's got a broken headstock and it's fifteen hundred off, yeah, or more. I played it, and immediately was like, oh my god, I'm in love with this guitar. But it was the first guitar I played, so then I proceeded to play like fifty others, yeah, <laughs> and none of them. We're even close. So I bought that. But then I'm in the city and I'm like, oh, there's no sales tax. I'm in Portland. Okay. It was like, Jack, Jack's like, what? 150 bucks? You think it, ma- like, you should have shipped it. You know, you think, oh, you're saving the sales tax. <laughs> I don't know. It was so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack with his money mind, he's like, man, it's no big deal. And I'm like, oh, blah. I'm like, oh, but I'm saving on the sales tax. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, so then, and at this point, I'm like deep. I'm I'm a Southwest credit card card carrying. You know, I'm I'm preaching the Southwest. I'm like points guy, and I always buy. What do they call it? I always get the early, early bird, bird check in. Yeah, right. At that point, I think it was like ten bucks or fifteen. This is some pre hyperinflation. Eleven okay, so. to twelve fifty, I think, is maybe what it was. It was twelve fifty, man. Twenty fifteen, yeah. I'm buying pre check every single time, but for some reason. I just, I don't know if the amount of the energy of the festival, I just was like, I forgot to buy pre-check. Then guess what? Day of, I'm like, oh crap. I like check in way late because I thought I had pre-check. So deep I get C, like C, dude. C59, Dude, you're out deep at C, dude. <laughs> you're deep <laughs> at C, bro. I'm deep C, man. <laughs> I'm C59 and I'm like, Holy crap, I have three. I'm, I forgot. Like, wait, I got to bring the nylon to LA. I'm like, oh my God, I'm showing up late. C59 with three guitars. <laughs> and I, I had this huge jacket, bro. And I put, I put the, I put the two guitar, I put the strap and the nylon around each shoulder. And I drape this big puffy coat over them. And I get through security. Somehow they 
They just don't see. They think I'm a guy with, a, I don't know, like a huge backpack on and one guitar. Like, And I get all the way to the gate, bro. And they're like boarding and they're trying to, it's late. And this, and this totally respectable, kind woman who's working the gate is like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's like, what are you doing? I go, what? She's like, you can't, you can't. What are you doing? It's three items. Check, checked in a personal. Carry on it. Like, you can't, these are, you have three guitars. You can't board with this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They let me through. She's like, I, I listen, I don't know who let you through, but they weren't supposed to. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's unfortunate. But here I am, you know, as, as you know, the plane's taking off. She's like, you can't get on the plane. And I'm like, <laughs> she just basically like looks at me like, dude, we both know that you are being ridiculous right now. Don't even think about giving me any attitude. And I already don't have any attitude to give. I can't, I'm too kind with customer service because I've worked customer service too many times. So I'm just like, oh man, you know, like, and I'm like, look, I'm sorry. Like I'm usually in, you know, I'm a musician. I bought this guitar. She's like not having it. She's got a plane to board, you know? And I'm like, Is, what can I do? What, what can be done? She's like, nothing. You have to get, you're either, you know, you're checking this or you're not getting on the plane. And I'm like, anything. She's like, well, I'll tell you what, you could buy a seat for it. Okay. But that would be it. And you're buying it right now. I mean, you have five more minutes till the thing doesn't even buy, you know, you can't even buy a seat, but there happens to be one seat open. So I spend $400 on the seat, (laughs) even though I saved 150 on the tax. And I strapped that Gibson in the seat and I put that freaking nylon and strap. <laughs> I think I ended up having to check the strat, you know, put the nylon in the overhead and strap the Gibby into a seat like it was a human being. And I, I it might have been like $500. It was like basically the more than the money I made for the gig. I just eat it on the guitar and the, and the plane and, <laughs> and I made it on. That's anyway. It was, but I, but I remember looking at you and you're like, oh, oh dude, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like best of luck, Katzman. Like you got yourself into this one. It's like, Corey, what I can do? You're like, peace. I mean, you were there for me. You're like, bro, you're, this is, this is bad. I'm like, this is really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. So that was my low point. Don't buy three guitar. Don't, you know, what do you, it was just a, ama- the way, the, the degree to which she was like, there was this moment of panic where she's like, what are you doing? And I'm going like, huh, I don't know. You know, like, I, can't, I, I don't know how I got here. That's <laughs> awesome. I think the moral of the story is just have the guitar shipped. Jack was right from the start. You buy it, ship it. Ship it, pack it right, or take one on the plane. I try to, I try to take them overhead. You know, it's, Corey knows every airline. If it's Southwest, you get early bird. If it's Delta, I don't know. The new planes have shorter yeah. overheads. That's rough. You know, I don't I try to get it into a closet. I, I pay for early boarding when I can. I feel like a snob, but it's just to get the instrument on the plane. You know? Dude, I was on a plane from Oslo to Molde, Norway. And I'm on the flight with John McLaughlin, Bill Frizzell, and Julian Lodge. Oh my God. Right? Don't tell me. What happened? They're all checking it. I'm the only cat that checked. Wow. But, I mean, that kind of checks out, bro. 
Nice. Julian Lodge is can't. I, come on, man. You <coughs> but, can't check. I hope Julian's not throwing his axe under the plane, bro. Dude, I know. But McLaughlin well, for Zell. That's what I'm saying. First up, it's, it's heavy as it gets. I, I was I was ready to. I told my Dubray, my my tour manager, I was like, dude, put me on a later flight. Like this is too many musicians. This is too many guitar players on one flight. This is. This is a headline. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like a national security risk. This is, this is a headline. It's like, yo, if this plane goes down, this, we're losing funk. We're losing the last bastion of jazz. We're like, this is out. Dude, seriously. But okay. then I see Sorry. Bill Frizzell and, and Julian Lodge are carrying around these blueprint holders. You know, like that architects have that they're carrying around their blueprints. Ah. Julian in there? and Frizzell unscrew the necks off their vintage tellies, put the body of no the telly way. in the backpack. Body of the... T- Bill Frizzell's carrying around his Telecaster in his backpack, and he's got a, a, a blueprints wow. holder walking around the Oslo airport with the neck that's of the guitar. That's next level, bro. Dude, that's... Yeah, but they were just like, I know, I mean... Wow. It's what we got to do with the vintage instruments. I'll do anything I can. Like, they don't, they don't give wow. architects crap for bringing blueprints right. on board, so... That's true. Wow, man. Do those cats, that's really deep. Do they do their own setups then? Probably. They're just like, yeah, I had to figure out how to get my stuff exactly back to where I'm at in setup-wise myself, Dude, I would imagine, unless they have a guy with them there. No, Julian literally came, he sat in with me the next day. He shows up to soundcheck, screws the neck right back on to the instrument, and just tunes it right back up. That's it. Wow. All right, man. Julian? I, I, yeah. Kudos, bro. <laughs> Next level, man. But that's the level. It sounds like that's just the level. I guess. You got a 59 black card telly. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, right? I know. You got to just put that thing in. <laughs> you got to take the neck off. I know. I mean, I... But he was like, how... Do you, they, were, they were flabbergasted that I would check mine. But I was like, dude, this is literally a Corey Wong Strat straight off the wall at Sweetwater. Right. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the Corey Wong difference. <laughs> Well, like, does Toman yeah. Music, can they ship me a, my guitar? And by the way, <laughs> since we're on record, I'm not just saying this because we're on the podcast. So I don't care if anyone believes me, because the truth is, the Corey Wong signature Strat is the best out-of-the-box contemporary production Fender I've ever played. Now we're talking. Hands down. Now we're talking. Thank you. I've had I a mean, lot of people say I- that, so I appreciate it. And I want to, maybe we can shout out a little bit of the process there. We can shout it out. Because I know, well, your guitar, I remember, you know, we got a guy and there's a little bit of that compound radius happening, right? Your boy in East Lansing got me hooked up. My boy in, in yeah, in Ypsilanti. Oh, Ypsilanti. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. My bad. Oh, no. East Lansing is where you went to go get the Princeton and it was all the... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's we another don't, we don't cat. Get, yeah, yeah, we don't need to get into Michigan's that. got its Michigan's got its special its special cats in the music in the gear lane. But you, I remember you were like, "Wow, this twelfth above the twelfth fret is really nice." And you did the re radius on your axe, right? Yeah. And then you brought that in, and fen- and you were like, "That's a component of this." Exactly. I want this neck to feel amazing, and they nailed it. So the joke is, if I'm going to get as close as I can to Theo. On a backline strat, I have to get a Corey Wong sig. <laughs> now we're talking. You know, now I'm not talking. kidding. That's what I backline. If I have to backline, I'm like, I need the Corey Wong signature strat. <laughs> I've done it. I love it's that. It's great. 
I love that. I don't that. need my own SIG. I got the CJ SIG. Yes. You know what I mean? I still want to show you what I'm, I've got a little special thing I've done to mine or I'm in progress with. So we'll, we'll get to it. I love next that. Next episode. Well, yeah, as, as we're about to wrap up here, you are going on tour. You just announced a tour. You got a new record yes. out. Dude, I am so stoked for you, by the way, because I've heard you. We've we've talked routing for tours for the last two years, and you're finally you're finally going out there. It's announced. I was yeah. I was apprehensive. I didn't think you were even ever gonna go on tour again. You were just gonna book 12 oh, man. tours and now <laughs> Okay. Can I explain what happened there? Because I don't want people to think I'm no, like, no, no. Totally... Yeah, no, I know, I know. I yeah, yeah. yes. Well, just, yourself. Just sorry. That when... I'm sorry that I'm No, 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 no. You're right. So, you know, Corey, you've you've really you've been my main you know, you've really supported me, man, in my journey here. And not for nothing, when you like basically risk every penny you have to mm-hmm. put yourself on a self-funded tour, like it takes a little bit of time to get used to that amount of anxiety. And I've only felt it when doing this. This is a unique kind of anxiety, which I yeah. now am used to. But it it was the first one was terrifying. And it's not that my first tour was terrifying. My first tour post Wolf at the Garden was terrifying because yeah. we have the same agent, you know, Wolf and me, and everyone felt like, oh yeah, we can triple the venue size here in New York. And I'm like, ah, like I felt I was stoked to sell out Music Hall of Williamsburg, 700 cap, amazing I'm from New York, huge, huge thrill, lifelong goal. And then the next one is Brooklyn Steel. And I'm going like, there's no way this my audience has grown by a factor of three. I just don't think I can pull in or you know, whatever, eighteen hundred. It was like I'm terrified. Yeah. And by the way, if eight hundred people show up, I'm also broke and I need to move in with my mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was like that was the feeling of that tour. And I just didn't know I didn't know how much my music had grown in that in that time because I knew Wolf's had grown. Mm-hmm. But what I learned after that tour is like everyone was those shows sold out and people were singing along to every word, to every song. Yeah. And I, and that's when I realized, okay, whoever's coming to a Theo Kasman show is a fan of my music. I just was not sure that that was the case. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I didn't know if people were going to show up and go funky dog, play funky dog. And then I was going to be like, ah, I'm not, that's not what this is. You know, yeah. I was totally wrong and I'm grateful for that. But the real reason for the delay on the tour is mostly COVID man. It was just like, yeah, you just were, I'm dealing with a, like you think you think I, I mean Corey takes risk out here, man, because we had our own conversations about like, all right, you're going up with that tour, and it's like, yep. It's like, what happens if someone tests positive? It's like, uh, we're in serious trouble, you know, because we're going to be in Europe and we're going to be having to test every. I mean, it was a nightmare there for a while logistically. Yeah. And the thing is, I wanted to go out then, but I started to get to the point where I was like, I think I'm going to have a new album finished, like not that far from now. Yeah. And but then it became well. When's it gonna? Now now we're competing with every single act trying to get their next tour on the books. Yeah. So it just kept getting further out. At some point, my agent was just like, "When's the record gonna be done?" And I'm like, "Twenty end of twenty two. He's like, "All right, spring twenty three. Here we go." And it was like, "All right," and it just felt like, "Oh, it's forever. I can't stand I know, waiting." You have to book. You had books so far in advance. It was like, we booked this 18 months out. I've yeah. had this on the book since the end of 21, bro, pretty much. Yeah. Which is crazy. Because it's like, but now it's here. And, you know, in the meantime, I've gotten my studio set up. And we've made 
a new Wolf album in it, a new Theo album in it. Um, I'm producing an album for May Early Wine, who's one of my favorite yeah. songwriters. We've made three albums in four months at my new studio in uh, in the Michigan woods. So that's cool, man. That was what I did in 2020 and 21 is go inward, write songs, um, reapproach my my whole thing, discover the Wim Hof method, which was profoundly impactful on me, the cold water, come back with a bunch of new music, and I feel like the best record I've ever made and the most honest record I've ever made. And I cannot wait to do this tour. I'm not scared of anything. Let's go. If ten people show up, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a hundred. So yeah, I mean, yeah, got the got the US dates on sale. I've got the European dates on sale now. Um, just announced, and that's for the fall. The U.S. is for the spring, uh, North America, I should say, because it's we're also playing Canada. And there's a single out, and you know, go to my Instagram page at Theo Katzman to find more music, and um, be putting out the full record in a couple weeks. And I'm just excited, man. We recorded this whole thing live to tape, kept the overdubs minimal, and filmed the whole thing. So it's kind of a full circle like me being my full self on recording and video and what you see is the record and I'm really proud of it. I also started a label called 10 Good Songs. Yes. Which is, I've been putting that that logo on my releases for the last few years, but this is the first one where I'm going to be launching the label as an official thing and May Early Wine's record is going to be the first um, non-Theo Katzman project on this label, which is going to start as uh, an avenue for my productions. And um, it's going to focus on artists who can do this process of like live capture, just the truth, trying to play to that that level of of um, intimacy and and process live capture as much as possible. You know, it doesn't mean we're sacrificing on tones either. We can isolate stuff, whatever. We can oh, go yeah. we can go to the moon on tones, but what's important to me is this is this deep listening on great songs. And that's it. I think of I'm opening myself up to that as a producer mm-hmm. um for the right kind of artists. And that's what this label is going to be about. So, stoked to have two albums come out on it as well as the new Wolf Schwitz which we did in the sauna at the house. That's right. <laughs> Dude, that was sauna. so fun. <laughs> that was so much fun. Oh my God. So much fun. Yeah, man. And how many FaceTime calls had we done where I've seen your house and then to finally, I can't believe it took me that long to get out there. That's okay. You're, you made it before, you made it before Lerman. Yeah. You're looking at you, Lerman. Where you at? Oh, Lerman still hasn't been out to the house? No, man. Oh, Come on, Lerman. Prick. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You know, it would it would be very un it'd be very not our vibe if I didn't shout him out on blast right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We poke each other in this way. But I love him. And um no, everyone the scene is really getting strong. Everyone I think, you know, as hard as COVID was um for for all of us and I know for so many, I feel grateful to be coming out again in this time um with some some really strong music that I feel like, what do I have to lose? You know, I think a lot of us pick that up. Like, what's really important, man? Go for it. Yeah. We're out here. Let's do it. 
Yeah, you know, put your best foot forward. That's my message. That's what I want to share with this music is like, go for it, you know? I love it, man. This record truly is pure, unadulterated Theo Katzman, and it is done in such a way that is so incredible. The songs are incredible. The recordings, the arrangements, the production. Thank you, I'm man. So, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel completely privileged to have heard the entire record before everybody else, and I am yeah, telling man. this not just because you're a guest and one of my brothers, but this is a life-changing album, and there's such incredible oh, music. And Thank you, man. I love you so much, and I'm so happy. I love you too, bro. For you and this, this record. Thank you, man. It's Thanks for being with me on the journey up to this point. And you know what's the best part? I actually feel like we're getting we're just getting started, man. Yes. That's like that's what's so crazy about year 11 of Wolf. It's like and this whole scene is like we've been doing this for a decade and I think, you know, we took the time we needed and everyone did their own individual thing enough to where it's like let's go. Yeah. Decade 2, man. Dude, I'm decade stuck. 2 of Corey, decade 2 of Theo, decade 2 of Dosic, Wolf, Tuan, Dart Everybody, Woody, Woody and Jeremy, lot of lot of this this scene has a lot of, you know, it's like one of the secrets to making it music is just not quitting. Yes, <laughs> dude. Know? My favorite my favorite quote is, "A black belt is just a white belt who didn't quit." Wow, there it is, bro. There it is. That's, it. That's amazing. Love it. Yeah, and That's I love it. you. I love you. That's it. Thank you for being here, man. Wong Notes Podcast every time. Every time, dude. Every time. <laughs> Thank you, man. I really appreciate it yeah. so much. How about that? How about that? Two friends hanging out, talking. Like I said at the beginning, this is our. This was the longest interview I did, aside from the John Mayer one. But Theo and I, we could go on for hours. We're just we're friends. I, I don't. I don't know. We, we even before we did the podcast, we're like, I prepped some questions, but I feel like we're just gonna talk. And that's kind of what happened. Anyways, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being you. Thanks for checking out the podcast. If you haven't subscribed or liked or whatever, go do that. It helps us. Give us that five-star rating and the podcast. I don't know. It, it like does something to help us out. And if you enjoy listening to these podcasts for free, you know, it's a small way you can return favor getting to hear these sort of things because we want to keep doing it. It helps us to be able to keep doing it. Thanks for hanging. Like I said also at the beginning, Theo and I are both going on tour. Check it out. Very excited about the live show. Band is absolutely killing right now. So I will see you next time. Thanks for joining. Peace. Peace.